so you read me, or you heard me read it. So there's no point in me trying to trick or bamboozle or try to go around what this passage is going to be looking at today. The, the passage that we're looking at today, if, if we were sitting in Jonah's time listening to Jonah preach this message, it, it certainly would make us squirm in our seats. Jonah's preaching a message of God's judgment. In fact, our text even tells us that Jonah's message is very short, it's very clear. Forty days, and God is going to overthrow you. This is a message that makes us very uncomfortable. A message of God's judgment and wrath. The divine wrath of God was Jonah's main point in his message. And this is an especially hard message to swallow when you look at your sin as if it's just a small pebble. On July 8th, 1741, there was a, a pastor named Jonathan Edwards who ascended into the pulpit in Enfield, Connecticut, and he preached a sermon with a staggering title. This sermon happened to be credited as one of the sermons as the start of the first Great Awakening. The message of this title would scandalously be named Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. This would be a message, like I said, that was credited to him for starting and sparking a movement of a great revival in America. And you may be tempted to think without context that it had to have been his charisma. Or he was just preaching to make people feel guilty. He was trying to emotionally manipulate his hearers to have such a great effect. But actually, Jonathan Edwards is told to have been such a monotone, boring preacher. And he was so focused on his message that he was often, it's said, referred to as like a great humpback whale that he would have his head down in his notes like this and he would every so often lift his head up to take a breath and look around and then put his head back down. So what gripped his hearers outside of the working of the Holy Spirit? It was the size of sin in our hearts that was presented to them and God's duty to act justly against sin. 
As Jonathan Edwards preached, this is just how much this message was used. As he preached this message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, people started to cry. They started to wail. During the message, they started calling out, asking, what must I do to be saved? Like Jonathan Edwards, Jonah's message gripped his hearers, and the response is great, and their plea for forgiveness is strong. Jonah's hearers, Nineveh, realizes and sees the size of their sin in the face of a holy and just God. And ultimately, what we're going to see today is that Jonah is calling out against Nineveh, and Nineveh believes God. And so we're going to see Jonah being called by God again. A second time, our passage tells us. He's told to call out against Nineveh, And Jonah, with his refreshed sense of grace that we saw last week, will go and obey God's command and call out against Nineveh. And Nineveh responds in belief. And so let's look at our passage this morning. As we read in verses 1 through 3, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against Nineveh. The message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went out to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. One of the clear things that that I think is so crucial for us to see right away here is, is that it may seem when you backslide that you may never enjoy communion or fellowship with God again. It may be easy to think, how could God possibly ever use me again? I've backslidden way too far. And yet, what we see in the beginning of this passage is that the word of the Lord came out to Jonah a second time. It is a hard place to be in as a Christian when you start to think that God could never use me for his ministry again. And yet we see this backsliding runaway prophet being called out by God a second time. We are told in 1 John that when you confess your sin, he is righteous and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I've been, as, as I've been trying to show us through Jonah that this book isn't about a great fish, it's about a great God, and it's about a great God who has gracious and tender love towards the sinner, we see just this. This is the case for Jonah as the word of the Lord came to him a second time. The Lord did not leave him or forsake him. God tells Jonah the same Message, go, call out against the great city. Call out against that city, the message that I give you. This is not a God who holds grudges. This is a God who restored his prophet and gave him a fresh taste of his grace. 
Jonah has come and confessed and repented, and God has forgiven. And so we ask the question, will God forgive me of my anger again? Will God forgive me of my manipulative intentions or my addictions, my lies and my lusts? And the answer is yes. But how many times there must be a limit? Now, hear me saying this. We don't continue to sin so that grace may abound, but the reality here is this. God doesn't just forgive us once or twice, but 70 times 7. It is not God who condemns his child, but the devil who bangs the drum of condemnation as loud as he possibly can in the ears of God's children. And so right away in this passage, we see the magnificent grace of God in Jonah's life and God is still using Jonah to accomplish his plans. And so what is this plan that he's going to use Jonah for? It's that Jonah is to call out against Nineveh. And so God tells Jonah, go and call out against Nineveh. But not only is that his plan, he says, I will give you the message that you are to say against Nineveh. And this is important for us because we need to know that what Jonah is about to preach is not his own message. We're going to see what this message looks like in a few moments. But until then, we know that God is going to use Jonah to call out against this great city. Which we know from the beginning of chapter 1, it's not just a great city, it's an evil city. The evil of this city has gone up to God. He has heard the prayers and the pleas of people. And so he is sending Jonah to call out against them. And so Jonah, with his renewed sense of grace, Instead of running this time, he obeys the Lord. He submits himself to God's will and goes to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. It's because grace isn't a theological concept to Jonah anymore. Grace is an experienced reality for Jonah that he experienced in the belly of the fish. Jonah knows what it's like to run as far as he possibly can away from God. To be in the storm of God's judgment and wrath, he knows what it is like to be brought low. To be humbled. To be restored. So Jonah's message now not only is just a message of words, but it's a message of experience. Do you know that we've been given a message like Jonah? God has given us a message just like Jonah to go to call out.
But we aren't to go and merely just call out a message that we haven't experienced. And so here's where our problem arises far too often. This is the disclaimer before we get into this next part. Most of the time, our message starts with God's love. And what we unintentionally end up doing is watering down the size of sin and the seriousness of God's justice. But we see a, a model for us in Jonah that is different. Jonah starts with God's judgment, his justice, his, his wrath. And then Nineveh sees the size of their sin and experiences the grace and mercy and love of God. We, we read in the rest of verse 3 and, and 4, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the city that Jonah did everything he possibly could to run away from is now in the belly of the city. Here, I just want to illustrate it like this. How great is Nineveh? There was one morning a few weeks ago where we woke up, it was early in the morning, and had and we heard his little pitter-patters come out of his room. We heard the, the door open up for whatever reason uh, because we've trained him so well. He loves to then close the door. I don't know why he does that, but he closed the door. Then we hear ever so slightly him coming around our sectional and he peeks his little head out. And we say good morning. And So we told him that morning we're going to go and see Grammys and Opa and my parents, who live in Marinette, an hour's drive, and his response was, are we going to walk there? So out of curiosity, she said, I wonder how far of a walk that would be. From here to Marinette is a 76, is 76 miles. From here to Marinette is a one day's walk, three hours. So how great is Nineveh? It would be as if we walked from here to Marinette, back to Appleton, and then back to Marinette. It would be over 200 miles of a walk. And our passage tells us that Jonah went to a great city, Nineveh, that was three days' breath. And he walked a day's journey in. Jonah was just in the belly of the fish. And now he's in the belly of this city. There's no turning back. There's no running. There's no hiding. He is found himself smack dab 
in the center of this city. You can't run. And so he calls out this Jewish prophet to a city that takes his nation's people, enslaves them, tortures them, and kills them. So here, let me illustrate it in two ways for us. This would be as if an African-American man went to Mississippi during the Civil Rights Movement and started calling out against the racism of the South. Or maybe a modern-day illustration, a Christian who goes to the town square of Kabul, Afghanistan, right now and calls out against the Taliban. And what is Jonah's message? Jonah's message is 40 days. And Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's not usually a message that you walk into your enemy's territory and shout out. And we could also translate this word maybe a bit better, overthrown, to destroy. So Jonah is saying in 40 days, God will destroy Nineveh. And what do you think the response would be? Don't you think that they would tie him up? That they would capture him? That they would beat him and enslave him? It's not. But in order to understand their response, we need to understand the message of Jonah a little bit better. What does it mean that God will destroy Nineveh in 40 days? This is a message of judgment. This is a message of God's divine wrath on this nation for a reason. Jonah is calling out against their sin. Jonah is calling out against the injustice of what Nineveh has been doing. They have been stealing. They have been enslaving. They have been oppressing from the greatest of them to the least of them. They have been murdering. This is a nation that is godless, a nation that has been oppressing its neighbors. It is a nation who's causing injustice to take place. And so Jonah is calling out their sin. He's calling out their injustice. But wait a second, because in, in our day and age, this message that Jonah's preaching could be labeled as, as bigoted. This is unloving. How dare you, Jonah, call out against their sin? And yet Nineveh is like in a burning building right now. And Jonah is sounding the alarm, saying, get out! Get out! He's not pleading with them as if it's a person in a burning building saying, hey, the, the building's on fire and I don't want to be too judgmental to you. I don't want to accidentally cross over some type of imaginary line 
and offend you that your house is on fire, but if you would like to come outside, No, Jonah is, is saying, your, your, your house is on fire. Get out. Forty days and you will be destroyed. Why is that? Well, yes, I've said because of their injustice. But why are they doing this? It's because of their sin. The sin that is deeply entwined into their hearts. This is what we must realize, church. That God is a holy God. And we are a sinful people. And when we sin against brother or sister, we are not just doing bad things against them. We are sinning against God himself. The reason why this is so tragic is because mankind was created with dignity. You and I were created with honor. God looked at each of us and he said, this is very good. These are people who I have made in my image and in my likeness. And so when we do unjust acts towards one another, it angers God because he has called us to love our neighbors. And he has called us to love him. And we cannot love God without loving our neighbors and we cannot love our neighbors without loving God. And so when God sees image bearers doing unjust acts like oppression or stealing or coveting or slandering, that is not living up to the law, the standard that he has given us. And so we must ask ourselves, do we live up to the standard? Do we live up to the standard that our Heavenly Father has given us? And the answer must be no. And so yes, Nineveh might show this on the outside, but Jesus, as he is sitting on Mount Olivet, giving the Sermon on the Mount makes it clear that it's not just the action of murder that's murder, but it's hate in your heart that's murder. He says it's not just the action of adultery that makes a person an adulterous person, it's lust in your heart towards another person. It's not just physically taking something from somebody, it's coveting what they have. In fact, this is what threw the Apostle Paul off so much, is that he was able to go through all of the commandments and say, I've kept them. But when I was confronted with coveting, I could not get around it. And so we must come to the conclusion that we too, like Nineveh, will be overthrown one day. 
But he doesn't have to be like that because the the Ninevites give us actually a pretty great response to this message. God is a holy God, and the reason why he is just is because he is love. He will not let injustice take place, and so he must act justly, and it's the only loving thing that he could possibly do. This is one of the confusing realities that we're facing in our time, isn't it? We have a culture and a world which we also play a part in that says morality is relative. And yet when morality is, when there is injustice against morality, we cry out against it. And so God is a God of just action towards those who do not turn to him. But Nineveh responds. Nineveh responds by believing God, but we must see this part here. They don't respond to Jonah's message. They they believe God. But what is it that they believe? Our text only tells us that Jonah's message was a sentence long. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Nineveh shall be destroyed. So what is it that they are believing God in? That they actually do deserve to be destroyed. That they believe that in 40 days that God will destroy them. They see and they recognize that they are wicked and evil people. Why else would they believe God? Jonah calls out to them. And they respond in faith that God is going to destroy them. They believed God. They feared for their life what God will do to them. So what do they do? They respond by fasting, by putting on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. There is not anybody that is not responding to this message, hoping and pleading that God will not destroy them. How often are we confronted with our sin and God's holiness and respond this way? Our sin condemns us. It marks us as guilty men and women. And yet, far too often, we justify our sin. We make excuses for our sin. We compare our sin. But in reality... Sin is a lot more sly and sneaky that we want than, than what we want it to be. And because of our sin, unless we respond in faith in God, God must destroy us. But as much sin as in as as much sin is in us. There is more grace in God. 
because we have a burden upon our shoulders that we cannot bear and a wrath we deserve that we just can't take. God sends his only son. Isn't this why we love to comfort our hearts with this passage, the, the great John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not be destroyed, but have everlasting life? Yes, God's wrath is on this world. His wrath is on us if we do not repent and trust in him. But he has made a way for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He has seen the burden that we cannot carry and he has sent his only son to take that so when we believe in him, we can be restored. We can have fellowship. Jesus came to bear the sin that we couldn't bear, to take on the wrath that we couldn't take so that we could have everlasting life when we believe in him. Jonah's message of judgment pierces the hearts of Nineveh so much that they call out and believe God. And what we will see and what we have seen is that this is none other than a gracious act of God. We know what the rest of this book tells us. We know of the reality that Jonah still has some things to work out, some anger to work out in his own heart as he says, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God must act in justice. He must be a just God, but that doesn't mean that he delights in it. He relents from disaster. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you've been a Christian for your whole life or if you're not or whatever it is or you grew up in the church and your faith isn't your own but it's your parents and you're still trying to work through some things. But the reality is, is that God's judgment is real and God's grace is also real. And he extends grace to all those who come to him. And you may be thinking right now, but I've, I've sinned too much. I've sinned too great. So I need to do something to pay him back before I can come to him. And that's not the way of the gospel. I said it earlier. The way of the gospel is weakness. The humble are exalted, not the proud. The last are first. And so what does that mean? That means there is nothing that you could repay God with. And so all you're asked to do is come to him and trust him. And this is what we see Nineveh do. Let's pray.
Father, you are holy. You are a righteous God. You are a just God who relents from disaster, and yet you still must be just. There still must be a consequence for our sinful actions against our neighbors and against you. And so we thank you that you do provide a way out, that you do provide a way to not be overthrown, to not be destroyed, that you sent Jesus to take on the great burden that we could never accomplish and that he reconciles us back to you. He takes the judgment, and so we thank you for that. And so, Father, I just ask that this message, this reality of your justice would grip the hearts of all of us in here, and that it would make us more compassionate to our neighbors. It would allow us to revere you and look at you in awe, that you would save a sinner like me. We would cry out like the tax collector, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then know for certainty that all of our sin was laid on Jesus' shoulders. We pray this in Jesus' name.